Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, well, I'm pumped. I, mean, I get to talk to one of my friends, Mark Hero, and that, that's his real last name. It's a very, very awesome last name. We met uh, not too long ago at uh, an event, and it, it turns out that we actually followed each other in very different niches um, over time. So we're going to dig into the details of his site and uh, you know some of the normal success story questions. So Mark, welcome. Thanks for joining me. How are you today? Thank you. Great to be here. I'm fine, and I hope you're doing well as well. And yeah, it was kind of cool to meet you because it's so random and we'll, we'll kind of back into it, but what do you do now? Uh, like what's your background in general? Just a little introduction so we can get to know you. Sure. Actually, my professional background started in broadcasting in the 1980s uh, on the engineering side of it. Uh, and then I transitioned to telecommunications and uh, my last I retired from my job as the assistant director of telecommunications for a large university, uh, which has no relation whatsoever to my website. Uh, my website is all about shaving, uh, specifically what your father didn't teach you about shaving. So something that uh, is very random and seemingly unrelated to my profession is what I ended up uh uh, doing as as a passion project that became a full time job. Got it. And you're you're able to share the name of the site and everything, right? Sure. The site is sharpologist.com. Okay. And we'll we'll get into all the details for sure. But I always like to dive in, um, you know, deeper. Especially, you said you worked in TV on the engineering side. So, what does that mean exactly? Is that just like core production kind of stuff, like back room sort of thing? Very much back room, uh, running the equipment, running the broadcast transmitters. Uh, I had a, uh, a FCC license to enable me to maintain the equipment. Uh, so I was rarely, if ever, in front of a camera. I was mainly in back of a camera, making sure the uh, the shows went well. Gotcha. And how many years were you doing that? Well, actually. Uh, in a way, it goes back to my teenage years. I got my first ham radio license when I was twelve. Okay, and uh, went to uh, went to school in the late seventies and got a degree in broadcast engineering uh, in the early eighties. So I worked in broadcasting pretty much through the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. I transitioned to more of a telecommunications kinds of things. Gotcha. Interesting. And were you like a talk radio nerd as well? And I, I threw a nerd. I mean, you got into ham radio, so that kind of goes hand in hand, right? So were you into like talk radio and stuff? Actually, no. Uh, okay. I was a, a basically a, a gadget freak. I, I loved playing with the toys. Got it. And uh, broadcast equipment had some great toys to play with at the time. Okay. And yeah, and I was just thinking like, the technology shift from the late seventies to the late nineties was like super dramatic. So any like big highlights or, I mean, is there anything else to add? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking like how much it changed just as I grew it up. It really has. Yeah. It really has changed a lot. Um, and we can get into it later, but, uh, just very briefly when I first got into, uh, traditional shaving, my first, thing I did even before the website is I had a, still have a YouTube channel and uh, it is now 15 years old. And so here was this uh, broadcast guy all of a sudden thrown into modern video of things like nonlinear editing and all the technologies that went into digital television, digital video, which I had basically to relearn or learn for the first time in order to use. Got it. Very interesting. And and let's let's shift and, and start talking about your website here. So, how did you actually get into like traditional shaving and stuff? And can you explain it for the people that that don't know and maybe they use like an electric razor or something like that? Sure. Actually, I used an electric razor for thirty odd years and never thought anything of it. Zip zip, two minutes and I was done. Then in the uh, in the nineties, I met a young lady uh, who is now my wife, uh, and. She was just one of these people that adored the way my face felt right after I had shaved. And uh, 
we went along like that and got married uh, in the early 2000s. And one year we had our wedding anniversary in Las Vegas. And uh, one morning she said, don't shave today. I have a, a anniversary present for you. And she took me to a store called The Art of Shaving where they gave me an old fashioned barber shave with the, you know, the, the warm lather and the single blade razor and, and the, the towel and the whole thing. And the results were just so dramatic for me. I just had never felt anything so uh, smooth and soft on my own face. It was just literally life-changing. And of course my wife was thrilled. So after uh, we got back from, uh, our, our trip, we, uh, I, I started really trying to research more about how to shave this way and discovered a real sub niche, a subsection of shaving where you used the old fashioned double edged razor, you know, one blade with uh, shaving cream or shaving soap applied with a shaving brush and then shaving in a very specific way to achieve that baby's butt smooth look, if you will. And uh, that's what got me started into the whole thing. And that was early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think my first YouTube video, by the time I got comfortable with it and wanted to try a video was 2004. So yeah, early 2000s. Got it. Okay. And then we'll fast forward a little bit because I, I followed your stuff for a short time. <laughs> so rewind to maybe like, I don't know, 10 to 15 years ago, I was thinking, oh, I want to like upgrade my, my shaving routine. I had gone through, uh, you know, electric razors and like just the sort of typical like Bic type razor, just sort of cheap disposable sort of things. And then I don't know, I don't know why I thought, Hey, I want to get into traditional shaving, but I Googled some stuff and I ended up on your site and maybe even on YouTube and watched a video or two. And, um, what are the brushes made of? It's like badger fur or something. There, there are a number of different, uh, fiber types. The, the classic one is badger. Uh, there is also boar hair. Uh, those two animals are actually killed for their pelts. So if you want to have something a little more, uh, earth friendly. There is also horse hair. And then just over the past couple of years, synthetic fibers have gotten really, really good. Got it. So I remember watching a few videos to get some pointers and then I, you know, got a razor, got a brush, did it for a while. And then I got lazier as I stopped working a traditional job. I was like, you know what? I'm going to look like a, a slob most of the time, which that's kind of the look that I go for now. But the point being, uh, fast forward, we were at, uh, in San Diego, we were at this Ezoic event, which you use Ezoic to monetize your site, right? So we'll right. talk about that coming up. Anyway, we were uh, standing around and, you know, you said, hey, Doug, I, I watch your channel a little bit. Good to meet you. And then I sat down and ate dinner with you and your wife. And then I realized after about 10 minutes that I had watched your, <laughs> your video and uh, probably used your affiliate link to buy the stuff that I purchased. So... Full circle, kind of crazy, and here we are talking now. So it's a small world. <laughs> so you've been working on um, this niche for several years, and it just happened to be a passion thing that you got into like, fairly later in life. Generally, cool. Yes. All right. So let's jump. Um, I, I do like to hear uh, like monetarily as much as possible. Like, how much are you earning? If if you're able to share much and how much traffic is on the site and some of this is proprietary, I understand. So as much as you're willing to share, we'd love to hear it. Sure. Uh, honestly, uh, COVID over the last three years has uh, kind of given me a hit on my revenue, uh, partly because I used to travel the country uh, going to high-end spa barber shops to give presentations on shaving to their clients. Uh, with uh, with COVID, uh, that revenue stream has gone away. Uh, in fact, just really lately, in fact, the Zoic trip I made from Texas to California was actually my first trip since COVID. So I'm getting ready to start 
trying to reach out to spa barbershops and, and get that part of my revenue stream going again. Excluding of that, uh, I was making uh, low six figures before that. Uh, it is now uh, mid to high five figures, uh, depending on the month. Uh, traffic has been largely uh, sideways for a number of years. Uh, uh, typically, uh, on the order of 100,000 page views a month, maybe a little less during the summer, maybe a little more during the uh, later parts of the year, uh, and maybe... I'm roughly guessing maybe fifty to 60,000 sessions a month, again, plus or minus. So you know, sessions versus page views versus other sure. things. That's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Does, it, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. Um, and it gives us a good idea about the general traffic levels and, you know, generally a full-time income. And it, Absolutely you know, a full-time income. I, I uh, took early retirement from my university job in 2015. And this is my full-time, uh, my full-time job now. Got it. And um, my other area of interest is uh, personal finance and financial independence. And this is one of the things where if you can get something going on the side and you have worked for a while, you can do like an early retirement or consider this sort of a partial employment where you don't have to make you know, six figures or higher because you have um, some other investments that you can live off of. We're getting deeper into the weeds of personal finance, but but generally, the, you know, this is perfect. And you know, you could take bigger trips or you know, invest for uh, family members, children, nephews, nieces, whatever. Or you know, you're able to travel, so you're able to right. you know, hopefully enjoy uh, as you're traveling for business, and then it's all within the business and it works out well from the personal investment or personal finance standpoint as you said the the big thing for me before i went full time is before i i took my early retirement i was very careful to check to make sure that i would still get the health insurance from the university uh, if i took early retirement once it, that was confirmed that i still would get health benefits or insurance benefits that made the decision much, much easier. Yeah. The insurance is bananas right now. Like if you're looking to, uh, you know, self-insure and you have no corporate sponsorship or whatever, it's uh, very expensive, even if you're, you know, young and completely healthy or anything. Yeah. Just so expensive. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So let's talk about like those early days starting the site. So you got interested in shaving, uh, I assume you got obsessed and you thought, I want to share <laughs> share this, right? Just a little bit. So when did you think, I want to start a YouTube channel or a blog? And, and which one came first, right? Actually, the YouTube channel came first. Um, I was quite heavily involved with some niche forums, uh, niche discussion forums. And a lot of them are still out there, devoted just to shaving. Um and in the early 2000s, there was a discussion going on that, uh, hey, it'd be nice to have somebody do a video about traditional shaving to show what it's all about. And, and the kind of the conventional wisdom at the time was, no, I don't think that's going to work because uh, you, you kind of need to be there in person to feel the lather and get an idea of, of context and things like that. But at the same time, uh, for my old job, I had just returned from a conference where I had won, uh, as a door prize, a video camera. Wow. And with my my broadcast background, I kind of put some messages on these forums saying, well, maybe I can do this. You know, I've got the background for it and we can try it. And there's this new site called YouTube. And so uh, I made some demonstration video for this uh, this niche this niche forum. And all of a sudden, it didn't seem so impossible. So they encouraged me to go ahead and put this on YouTube. And I think my first, as I said earlier, I think my first video was 2004. And uh, that's where it started. And at first, uh, there was very little activity on it. Uh, it just sort of languished along with most other YouTube channels. Then uh, somebody from Lifehacker, 
picked up on it. And Lifehacker exploded the subscriber base. Uh, so that was where things really got started. Uh, and I had been quite happy just doing YouTube video for some time when one of my shaving converts, if you will, who also happened to be an owner of a digital media company in Milwaukee said, well, you, you need to add a, a website to this. And uh, at first I thought, no, that's going to be too much work. I can't do it. And he said, well, I'll help you. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, my company will get you up and running. We'll share what revenue you get 50, 50, and we'll try that. So in 2011, uh, with his help, Andy Tarnoff of onmilwaukee.com, uh, we started sharpologist.com. And at first, and for several years, it was most definitely a side gig. There was very little revenue to it. Uh, I got onto AdSense, which was uh, trivial. Uh, did some Amazon affiliate, which was also pretty trivial. And nothing really happened until it just started growing organically in the 2013 to 14 timeframe. Th things started ramping up then. And again, by 2015, I realized, hey, I could take this thing full time. Okay. And so in 2015 is when you were making enough to go full time. Okay. Yes. And it, did you say Andy was the person that helped you out? Yes. Is Andy still a partner or did you? No, he's not. We, okay. we amicably parted ways. Uh, I realized uh, I could make a full time job of this if I had all the revenue. Um, okay. And so we, parted amicably. We still talk all the time. Uh, I just, uh, instead of using his uh, infrastructure, I went and uh, got a web host and got onto WordPress and went that route. Okay, cool. And did you, um, as much as you want to share as normal, um, so did you, you bought him out as a partner? Uh, there was no real buyout. It was okay. it, we had made a contract early on that said, "Hey, if things aren't going the way we want, or we want to part company, that's fine." It just was a thirty-day uh, notice kind of thing. Okay, no, no, no harm, no foul. Uh, we just walk away. Okay, that's cool. That yeah, that's great because I know that could end up pretty contentious. Um, if people start thinking about the, you know, in air quotes, like the potential of something and then they, you know, they're not willing to put in the work, but it sounds like you guys worked, worked it out perfectly. So absolutely. Great. Yeah. Okay. So that was 2015. And w when did you leave um, the university job? 2015. Oh, you did. Okay. So you've Same been doing year. this. Same year. Awesome. And what was there a big like lifestyle change at that point as far as like, you know, your, your work habits or like, were you sort of burned out from the university job and the bureaucracy, which I assume happens at all universities. So yeah. What was it like going out on your own? Yeah, I was quite burned out. Uh, and on the other hand, there was some reticence. Uh, I had never worked for myself. I'd never, uh, I've always worked for large companies. Uh, throughout my career. So both my wife and I were kind of a little trepidatious that we were getting into something we really didn't know about, but we both had uh, enough confidence in our skill sets and enough uh, investments in the bank uh, or in investments to ride out any, any problems. And uh, the actual work transition was actually pretty uh pretty good uh i get now i get up in the morning uh sit down in my jammies in front of the uh in front of the the computer and and start working for a few hours get up and change have breakfast and uh it's uh it's it's a it's a schedule it's it's a routine but a different routine sure and one of the great things at least for me is I get to choose what I'm working on. So all the projects, at least um, I'm excited about. And if I'm not, then I'm making really dumb decisions because I get to choose what I work on. So I may as well choose fun stuff. So I imagine it's the same way 
where you're similar. At. Yeah. Although I'm sure just like you, I do have the occasional deadline where I have to get something done by X date and that kind of slows me down a little bit. But yeah, uh, I, I generally pick and choose what I want to work on first and then move on from there. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts, um, with the site. So you started, uh, if I got this right around 2011 and you had been working on YouTube for a little while with the site, how much content is there now? And can you talk about like your writing process and sort of, yeah, basically what you've been doing the last several years? Sure. Uh, I have averaged three pieces, three posts a week for the past 10 years. So I've got about 1,500 posts on the site right now. Uh, that is a fair chunk of time and, and energy. Um, by coincidence, uh, purely as another side gig that I've been doing since uh, my high school days, I, I was doing freelance magazine writing. And in fact, uh, did some freelance articles for ham radio magazines. Uh, and so I had some skills, uh, some writing skills, uh, which I tried to enhance in college with some, with some English classes and some technical writing classes and things like that. So it wasn't like I was coming in totally without any experience at all in writing. So that really did help. Um, in fact, it's only been within the past couple of years that I've started struggling with uh, finding keywords that I haven't already mined and getting over kind of a writer's block uh, to get going on certain parts of writing. I've been trying something very lately to help with that by using some of the new uh artificial intelligence writers like Jasper and Outranking and uh, Word Hero, things like that, to kind of help me over the hump on that. I don't rely on them for doing everything because that's a recipe for disaster. Sure. But uh, I, I do use them as an aid to write with. Okay. And you know, sort of related question, we'll, we're going to dig into your process and how you're using those tools. Are you getting burned out on the topic? Like uh, you were obsessed before, but like what, 15 years is a long time to talk about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it burnt out. I, I'm just running out of things. Uh, there's a, a, a point where you've just kind of exhaust the niche of the top, the niche of a particular subject. Uh, you know, new products come out. Yes. Uh, new things to try. Uh, but the, the fundamentals of shaving just really haven't changed a whole lot uh, in the past 10 years. And uh, uh, new products do come out, but they tend to be riffs on products that are already out. So it's been getting uh, a little more difficult to come up with fresh content. But at the same time, I have been going back to old content and refreshing old content, which uh, has has helped some too, as far as uh, search engine optimization and, and people finding the site and things like that. Okay, cool. And let's, let's dig into that a little bit. So let's say there's an, a keyword that you find and you know you've written about it, say, eight years ago, something like that. And you know it's maybe getting a little traffic. How do you approach revamping it and updating it? Sure. Uh, first, like you mentioned, I do check traffic. I'll take a look at my both my analytics and my uh, Google Search Console. And if a particular older post is getting a fairly significant amount of traffic, I will prioritize it over another piece that may not be getting as much traffic uh, to look at again uh check the uh the competitors in that keyword uh see where i rank and then i will look at the article from two perspectives one from the original perspective of i wrote it for and then i'll run it through a couple tools uh like for example 
uh, well, Outranking, for example, uh, has a, uh, a topic analysis or a article analysis tool. Uh, the SEO Power Suite that I use occasionally has uh, uh, tools to audit a web, web page. And so I will update uh, the topic with fresh, relevant content, recheck all of the links, um, try and boost its, its relevancy score as best I can, then republish it uh, on the blog with a new uh, date. I, I will, I'll keep the same URL, but instead of just doing an update, I will republish with a new date and then resubmit it to Google Search Console so it gets crawled uh, in a new format. Got it. Do you take original images for your post and you know, maybe on one that you're updating, do you update it with like new images or something like that if you have the ability to? If it depends on the post. Uh, I will if they're, particularly if it's really old and the resolution isn't quite there, I will take re, I will, take new images. Uh, sometimes I will add an image uh, and sometimes I'll just add a, uh, a stock image uh, when it's appropriate, when, it's, uh, when it matches the text, just to break up a, a big old wall of text if I have to. Okay. Got it. And going back to some of the sort of writing, it it's one of those things that I now observe now that I've talked to a lot of people, the folks that have the highest rate of success seems have a writing background and it's not as much of a hurdle. When you, how, how did you start writing for the magazine, by the way? <laughs> uh, you know, it was one of those random things again. Um, again, I was a ham radio operator early on, uh, got some ham radio magazines and the editor of one of the magazines once did an editorial saying, Hey, why don't you write for us? And at that particular time I was working on a computer program for a computer class in high school. And it was related to ham radio. So I wrote an article about how I wrote this computer program and just blindly sent it into the magazine. Uh, they wrote back quite quickly, said, we like this, uh, we want to publish it, and oh, by the way, we're going to send you a check. And so that was uh, kind of a motivator too, uh, uh, having a, a high school kid all of a sudden get a, uh, some money out of nowhere for writing some stuff was, uh, was kind of cool. Wow. And did you, I mean, I guess you were a decent writer in high school, so you felt confident enough to even submit it. Um, how many years did you write for the, the magazine? It wasn't that long. It was the occasional freelance writing, uh, starting in high school, going through most of my college days. But after I graduated college, that had pretty much been set aside. Okay. But you, you had the skills and you could, you know, hit a word count or make it short enough for whatever constraints, the skills right. that you get, like doing journalism stuff. Awesome. Right. Did you learn anything else uh, aside from like the, the core, you know, pieces of writing and hitting a deadline? Anything else that you learned from that gig? Yeah, I knew I, I realized uh, uh, I did a lot of it wrong. Uh, for example, <laughs> I used to just uh, blindly uh, send in an article draft to a magazine and say, here, try this. What do you think of it? Instead of doing something easier, like uh, a query letter saying, here, I want to write about this topic. What do you think? Uh, so I could, I saved myself a lot of time and trouble by uh, learning how to do queries to editors versus just sending them drafts blindly. Um, also, some fundamental things I got from like uh, technical writing classes or uh, college and uh, English classes of just the, the, the fundamentals of writing for certain audiences. Uh, you know, for example, just a very brief example, uh, a print in print, you uh, attribute a quote a certain way. But if you are writing a 
video narration or going in broadcast and you attribute a quote another way. Uh, so it's just different ways of doing it. And I just never knew about those things un until I took those classes. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I probably mess all the things you just mentioned up. <laughs> so <laughs> the English and writing was not my strong area. I've gotten better, but um, yeah, some of those mechanics, pretty rough. So, And that's where some of these artificial intelligent writers can really aid someone who's maybe uh, not quite as comfortable with it. You know, you can ask one of these writers, you know, give me an idea for titles of topic X. And it could be something very straightforward and then mix up something very creative from it. And th things I would have never thought of, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great topic. There's a, there's a great title right there. Uh, but I just wouldn't have thought of it otherwise. So these things, like I say, can not write it for you, but they can get you over the hump. Got it. And I'll, I'll keep teasing that. We're, we're going to come back to it, but I want to talk about keywords before we move on to the AI tools as part of the, the writing process. So early on, I have a hunch that you probably didn't think about keywords or SEO. When did that come on the radar and how, you know, how was it in the early days and how has it shifted over time? Uh, yeah, very much so. Uh, I really didn't think about keywords much until probably five years ago. And even then, it was fairly easy. Uh, I did an article on what's the best uh, shave cream. And it was number one on Google for quite a while. Uh, what's the best razor? And just hit number one on Google for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, it started getting harder and harder, and traffic started plateauing off. And I realized, okay, I need to do something here. And that's when I first really started looking into the, the, the importance of keyword and things like long tail keywords and the right kind of keyword. You know, there's always three or four different variations of a particular keyword. And uh, it's gotten much, much tougher since to do good keyword research in my niche and get ranked for it. I still do get ranked, don't get me wrong. I, I, uh, I'm very proud of my rankings on a lot of uh, the, the subjects I talk about, uh, but it is something that I can't take for granted anymore. Got it. And I know, you know, when I started coming up in like 20, 13 to 20, you know, 15 or so, I, I'm pretty sure there were several sort of example and public sites in the shaving niche that, you know, people came at it from a very like SEO driven approach. So I suspect uh, because people copy what they see in these case studies, that there were tons of competitors that popped up. And these days, I mean, it's it's a mature uh, sort of affiliate marketing and you know, niche and authority site market. So there's a lot of big players in the space. So I'm sure uh, some marketers started, you know, trying to take the keywords that you were ranking for. So right. in 2017, so you were, you know, working on it for a few years, you were doing it full time for two. And then you started to look at keywords because conceivably traffic was dropping and you were like, oh, I need to figure out what's going on here. So what, what kind of tools um, do you use? Do any of the AI tools come into play for that? Or do you use sort of pure keyword research tools? AI has only come into it very, very recently. Um, initially, I was doing things like, uh, oh, the, the free uh, the free keyword search tools, like uh, some of them aren't around anymore. But uh, for example, some of them that still are, Uber suggests, suggest uh, uh, you know, some of the free things available from Moz. I did eventually and still use to some extent the SEO Power Suite. Um, I, of course, when the Google Search Console, we used to be called Google Webmasters, uh, came up. I, I got onto that and saw keywords with that. Um, I did kind of crack open my wallet and I tried SEMrush and Ahrefs for a while. But in my niche, 
uh, I'd found they just weren't as useful as uh, some of the other tools given the price. Uh, I mean, I was getting good uh, keywords from, say, SEMrush, but $120 a month uh, just was kind of gnawing at me. So I was started looking for alternatives. And uh, at that point, I found uh, some of the lifetime uh, discount uh, sites where you can buy buy it once and use it forever kind of thing. And I uh, used a few of those products. And then lately, I've been using uh, a, a lower cost version uh, of uh, keyword search called Key Search. Uh, but of course, there are a gazillion other keyword search tools out there of right. all different prices. And really, all of them can give you something. Uh, even the free stuff can give you ideas. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of dependent on your particular niche, just how useful a particular tool is. And, you know, quick note on the expensive tools like uh, SEMrush or Hrefs, they are like full marketing suites. So, I mean, I think it's for like SEO professionals and I mean, you do, you know, SEO professionally, but it's not your core thing. And, you know, a big distinction is you're in the community, you're going to live demonstrations and you know, the you hear the questions that are asked, you know, what matters and it's not from like doing research, it's from your own conversations and interactions. So that right. goes a really long way, I think. And it makes those full marketing suites like less, less um, useful. Something I've actually found fairly useful that's, that's essentially free are the niche for, for, my, for my topic, uh, the niche forums. Um, just scanning the forums to see what uh, people are talking about at that particular time, uh, what gets to be kind of the hot button topic is very useful at times. And in fact, I even cobbled together an app uh, that, you, that is on my site. It's called the Discussions link, uh, where it will show you the uh, forum topics for a number of the niche forums in one spot. So you can read the topic subjects and say, oh, that looks interesting, click on it, and it takes you to that topic. And that was originally done for myself, but I've since put it on my site for everybody to use. And it's actually a a fairly popular uh, uh, function or feature of the site now. That's that's cool. You really were obsessed. You were like, (laughs) I got to... I got to curate this so I can get to the best posts as, as soon as possible. Exactly. Are you still pretty active in the forums? Unfortunately, no. Uh, once it's kind of sad in a way because once Sharpologist became more popular and monetized, I started to be seen as a competitor to some of these sites. So in one case, uh, one particular site just flat out booted me off the site. Uh, and the other sites, uh, I, I still read quite a bit. I just don't post a lot because, uh, it just generally, uh, uh, brings out the trolls. Sure. And so I don't, uh, I don't participate as much as I'd like to. That's a bummer with the, the trolls. That's one thing. I mean, there's a lot of crazy people in the world and, um, the Competitor aspect, though that that I almost don't get because I, I mean, I don't either. Like I have a lot of you know uh, competitors, but if we do it right and we're all just friends, um, then we can we can all like cross promote and basically help everyone out and like spread the word. There's mo- more people that don't know about what I'm talking about, and there's you know more people that don't know about sh- like traditional shaving. So you know you guys should work together to like spread the word of whatever it is you care about. So a rising tide raises all ships, in my view. Yeah, but you know that that's okay. So y- you moved on. Everything's good. All right. So let's talk about these AI tools now. So you threw out several. You've experimented with some. Can you talk about sort of the process that you use to Number one, use the tools, and then how do you uh, make sure that you're, you know, not publishing like pure AI content? Right. Uh, 
what I generally do now, and my my routine is still kind of evolving, but uh, I will f- take a keyword that I've researched with another uh, another tool, and then we'll plop it into one of a couple different AI writing tools uh, that have a specific feature of going out and looking at the like the top 30 or top 20 SERP results. And then it generates sort of a content brief. It just basically says, here's what these high ranking uh, sites are talking about for this topic with things like headers and, and bullet points and things like that to get an overview of how complete the topic needs to be covered. And from there, I will do some additional research with some other tools to try, if I can, to go beyond those bullet points, add a few more, uh, particularly if I have my own personal experience, I without a doubt add that. Uh, That's become much more important than it used to be, particularly for if you're doing something like a, a top 10 listicle, for example, uh, I make sure that I have tested every single item on that top 10 list before I publish it. Uh, but then, uh, again, putting it into these, uh, these tools will give me ideas of, say, maybe an, another way to frame a header a title rather than... Uh, you know, a plain vanilla, very dry sounding header into something that has a little more panache to it, uh, but that still still contains the keyword. Um, then uh, I'll look at these tools and and if I need to expand on a point, but I'm kind of stuck on how to do it, I'll ask one of these apps for suggestions for a. Uh, a maybe a two or three word par- two or three sentence paragraph that I will then reshape into my own um, and then a- again some of these apps have a scoring feature where it compares what I've written with these other uh, search engine results and say yes you're you're doing as well or better than the typical uh, result already so it gives me a better, chance of rating, uh, particularly given my time in the niche, uh, has really seemed to help in some cases overcome a site with an article uh, whose uh, domain authority, for lack of a better word, is much higher. Uh, my article is more thorough and, and more factual, uh, which is something you have to be very careful of with some of these AI writers, a lot of them will just make up facts out of thin air. So right. it's very important for you to to fact check anything these things write to make sure that it's it's correct. Got it. So I'll I'll restate the process. So you'll you know find a keyword. You'll go to one of the tools that you know several of them will create like a content brief or an outline for you based on what's already out there. So from there, you'll do further research on your own, and then you'll add your own information in there from your personal experience and conversations and, you know, whatever's in your head. And then after that, you may, you know, get a couple sentences for a short paragraph to get you started, uh, but you basically edit that to be in your own words. It's only uh, something that you uh, paraphrase or completely change is that roughly the the idea? Yes, very very much so. And then you will use tools like Outranking has specifically I know has uh, the on-page SEO type analysis to let you know like hey use this word a little bit more, put this in your subheading, that sort of thing, right? Correct. Okay. Then 
as far as the tools, because at this point there's probably, uh, you know, a couple dozen of them at least <laughs> that are major players. And a lot of them, like, I mean, the keyword research tools kind of turned into a commodity. So some of them did unique things originally. Now there's what like 50 of them and they all kind of do the same thing. And some people are really dogmatic about using a specific tool, but I don't think it matters. So with the AI tools, do you think people should just use like, what they like, or do you think some of them are better? And feel free to mention them here if you if you do like some of them. Sure. It I've discovered, and I'm actually seriously toying with uh, starting with starting another uh, blog about using uh, AI tools to blog with because I've tried so many of them. I've I've got accounts on about fifteen different sites, as I recall. And actually, most of them do have a free trial or a modest free level where you can kind of try it out, get a flavor for it. Um, But I've found it's very dependent on the niche and the specific topic. Some of them work really well for some types of topics and others work well for other types of topics. So if it's something I'm really down and dirty with, I'll actually run it through several of these things to, and then kind of pick and choose uh, the best bits of each. But if I was going to make some recommendations uh, on some specific tools, uh, I do want to mention a couple. Uh, one is called Blogly, uh, B-L-O-G-E-L-Y, uh, which is really cool for research. It is fantastic for research because it will not only query Google, but it will query Google Scholar, which is a database of scientific and educational uh, papers and things like that. So depending on the topic, if you want something uh, like need solid data or, or scientific uh, information, boy, that's a fantastic place to go. And Blogly will help uh, kind of distill all that down into uh, individual paragraphs, uh, into a, a research document, which you can then use as sort of a template for writing your own document. And just very recently, Blogly did add a uh, AI writer to their uh, site. It's it's pretty basic. It's not uh, what I would call fully featured, but uh, it's getting there. But again, for research, wow, it's it's really good for that. Uh, some of the others I've used with great success are uh, Outranking. I've mentioned that a couple times. Uh, another one that will do uh, some amount of fact-checking for you is AISEO and Longshot.ai. They'll both, they both have some capability for uh, verifying what it comes up with. Um, I've mentioned Word Hero a couple times for some of their individual features like titles and outlines and and some littler things. Their, their long-form editor is okay, uh, but not my favorite. Um, I think, again, it depends on the importance of the article I'm doing is what I will run these things through to what extent. Got it. So on your idea to start another blog on how to use (laughs) these tools, you should do that. People won't stop asking me about it. And eventually I had to start trying to use some of the tools. What you have experimented with is a lot more than what other people have done. In fact, what you're describing, like using 15 tools and like knowing which ones are good for certain things and a workflow where maybe use Blogly for the the content brief and then you feed it into another tool and then you feed that into another tool to optimize it. Like that sort of workflow would be uh, amazing. That's what people want to see. And I think it would go, it would probably go really well. You know how to uh, write and you've done, you know, obviously really thorough articles on on your main site. So if you did the same thing for an AI-based uh, site, it'd be amazing. You could do YouTube videos. Like as far as I know, 
people haven't done this, or maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but they haven't done it. Usually they're in the back pocket of one company. So if it works, yeah. then they like just promote that one and they ignore the others because they don't want to piss off the other companies, I guess. So, but if you just, you know, if you did your own thing, then, you know, and you're promoting most things and you're honest, then the audience will like you, but maybe an individual company won't. So. Right. And uh, to be honest, I've actually uh, reserved a domain name already. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the time uh, because these tools are just changing so fast, almost on a weekly basis. They're coming out with new revisions, uh, new features, new tweaks. It's really tough to keep up with uh, everything going on in the, uh, right. in the AI realm. But uh, if I can find some time, I've, I've got the domain ready. It's just <laughs> a, a matter of going to do it. Yeah. I was going to say we can partner together, but you have to do the videos and I can get people over there. But, um, but yeah, the, the problem, you know, you and I are passionate about different stuff, right? You're passionate about shaving and like share, spreading the word on that. I like beer and some other stuff, right? <laughs> what, what I'm not passionate about is like learning new AI tools and the changes and like they moved a button over here. So you may have to do a new video. I am not passionate about that. I don't care. And it's really like uninteresting to me. Yeah, it, it's tough. So. Especially if you're if you're like, all right, this is the the good tool that I want to use, and this is the workflow, and then you have to still review tools that you don't like or that you're not interested in, and that eventually it sounds like a job. What we right. what we just created, right? Uh, right. I, I talked myself out of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but people would love that, and I've I've mentioned it on uh, live streams and shows before, where like if you if someone wanted to start something out of the blue and they had no following, if they did this stuck with it for a year, I'm pretty sure they'd be like one of the the top performing uh, sites in the space on reviews. Because uh, as far as I know, like I said, no one's doing like really good reviews that are honest. Yeah. So what I was actually thinking of was, was uh, taking a keyword, running it through each, uh, each tool and seeing what it came up with. Yep. Yeah. It's like, people would just check that out to see, you know, what the output was and like, you know, how accurate are some of these, like basically giving the same output and they have the same engine behind it. It's just like a different facade on the front. Oh, so many, so many things. So <laughs> uh, Mark, are you pretty good on time? Uh, we're going to go uh, a little I'm bit. I'm doing okay. I'm okay. doing okay. So a couple uh, other questions here. So you talked about, uh, keyword process. You talked a little bit about the content and using AI tools. What about link building? Do you do any kind of promotion or anything like that? Very little. Uh, I have discovered in my, again, this is in my niche, uh, that link building and social media are just huge time sucks that the ROI is just not there. Uh, I don't, I don't discount link building, uh, but I don't go out of my way to link build. I think creating quality content that is rating well uh, will bring the backlinks to me. Um, so I, I know I need to maybe do a little better with backlinks, but the backlink outreach is just so time consuming. It's just insane. I wish there was uh, a more of an automated way to do it, but you really need that personal touch because I can't tell you how many cold emails I get uh, that have obviously been run through some kind of app saying, hey, you know, send mm -hmm. us a send us a backlink. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why should right. I? Um, you know, social media is the same way. I get most of my traffic from search engines and email and uh, cert and uh Social media in, in my niche just is not very uh, popular with the niche. I do use, again, an automated, semi-automated tool called, in my case, it's called Missing Letter, where it uh, will extract with an AI, it'll extract images and relevant uh, quotes from an article, put together a one-year drip campaign. I'll tweak it for individual uh, social channels and then let it run. Um, and and uh, that has helped me quite a bit uh, stay off social media to the point of exclusion of all else, which might happen 
if I wasn't careful. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I do use some automated social media tools, but, um, it's just not where my customers are. Right. And, uh, you know, I think if, if you're not, if you're not on that platform as a user and enjoying it, then it's probably not as fun to create the content and, you know, social media can be a bit of a treadmill. It can be super effective if you're willing to put in the time, but you know, if, if you don't find it exciting, then it's not a very fun thing to work on. I mean, given, given the choice between making content for the site and making specific content for social media, the ROI is just, it's just obvious it's on the site. So I, I, I use social media, uh, but I, uh, I'm not a, a huge user of it. Cool. And I think, you know, big takeaway and one thing, you know, at the Club 22 event at uh, Ezoic, a lot of people created sites that they were interested in and passionate in the topic area. And you would be doing it anyway, most likely. You didn't know that you could earn money and then you, you figured out that you could and it, you know, it turned out nice for everyone. So the links that you have, like you mentioned, you know, Lifehacker picked you up early on, to, uh, maybe for the video. I'm not sure if it was the video or the blog. Yeah. It was but, for the video. So you, you end up with backlinks because of, you know, doing it for a long time and creating the high quality content, which is what, you know, that's what, you know, quote Google wants. And that's what, you know, a lot of people do say, like, just wait for the links to come and it'll be a little bit higher quality anyway. So, all right. Very good. Now, obviously, it sounds like this site has impacted your life in a positive <laughs> way. So, yeah, in, in your, how would you describe it? How has this site impacted your life? Wow. Uh, it is just very weird being recognized as a, uh, I guess the, well, the word is now influencer, but not back then, but to have someone recognize you and say, Oh yeah, I remember seeing you on YouTube or I I've, I've seen your site or something like that. Uh, uh, it's, it's for something as random as shaving. It, it just continues to amaze me. Uh, there are shave meetups where several hundred people get, get together with uh, vendors and things selling shave stuff. They talk about shave stuff. They demonstrate shave stuff. And when I go to one of these things, uh, sometimes it's like I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a rock star uh, because they recognize me from uh, the videos in the site. Uh, it's, it's almost kind of surreal. But um, the person I uh, do it for most is my wife because she's the one that started me on this whole thing by, by, caressing my face, which I enjoy. And uh, now it's like, uh, hey, sweetheart, I need to spend this money on uh, on some shaving razors and some shaving cream. And she's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Fine by me. Uh, she's, she's all into it. And I'm beginning to bring her up to speed on actually helping me out with the site. And uh, uh, it's, it's turned out to be uh, really cool to be able to pick and choose the time I want uh, sometimes I have 12-hour days. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes I take the day off and do something fun and don't even think about the website. It's, uh, it's something I could never do with a nine-to-five job. That's cool. It's amazing. And yeah, your wife's lovely. I sat and had dinner with you guys. <laughs> so it was good chatting with you both. Um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll throw in here um, that we didn't talk too much about monetization, but, you know, you do monetize with Ezoic and we could treat this like a little ad, but yeah, what is it like um, working with Ezoic? When did you start working with Ezoic? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Yeah. Like, how did that all work out? Yeah. As, as a little, just a bit of a background, when I started the site in 2011, uh, I went with AdSense, uh, and the results just were not there. I was getting, you know, a few dollars a month. It was beer money. And the readers of the site did not like the ads. I used to get uh, comments all the time. It was like, you've got too many ads. These ads don't make any sense. Eventually, it, it just it was too much of a pain in the butt, and I just dropped AdSense. And then for several years, I used uh, some WordPress plugins to create some uh, – 
very targeted, relevant ads for affiliates. Uh, you know, obviously Amazon, uh, some of the other shaving vendors are on affiliate platforms. So I would take those banners and, and monetize them and uh, just kind of rocked along with that uh, until uh, uh, basically COVID hit. And uh, again, that revenue stream that I had for going out uh, and doing these presentations just dropped to nothing. So I needed to find another stream of revenue and uh, considered AdSense again, but it was just, again, kind of a pain in the butt. I didn't really want to do it. And then a cold email from Ezoic uh, said, hey, what do you think about uh, partnering with us? And I did a quick uh, Google search on Ezoic, discovered that they were one of the premier uh, providers in this space, uh, did a little looking around, a little research. Yes, there seemed to be a good company, good reputation. So I decided, okay, I'll give this a chance. Signed up, uh, switched the site over, and to my absolute surprise, started making significant amounts of revenue right away, uh, four-figure revenue right away, which kind of blew my mind, mm -hmm. and, and not one complaint from a reader about ads on the site, which really surprised me. But I figured, okay, the, the readers that this is a problem for, they've already probably got some sort of ad blocker on, and the ones that don't have the ad blocker don't care. So uh, I have yet to get a uh, any kind of feedback from a reader saying, hey, I don't like ads on the site. And working with Ezoic has been very easy and uh, very revenue generating for me, much to my surprise. So I've been very, very pleased with Ezoic. Cool. And you want to give a shout out to your account manager there? Alyssa. Alyssa is my account manager. Uh, she's been very, very helpful. And in fact, met her at the uh, Ezoic conference you and I attended. And uh, it was great seeing her and all the other people uh, associated with the company. Didn't realize actually it was that big until I went out there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. And yeah, I'll be sure to get this over to the the team so they see that the, Alyssa got a shout out. Um, yeah, it, it was great. Um, it's been great working with Ezoic over the last few years. And yeah, I wasn't sure how long you had been working with them. So really just the uh, uh, last couple of years. About it. Yeah, a little over a year. Okay. Awesome. Very good. And yeah, that'll conclude the ad portion, which we didn't even rehearse. It's just <laughs> I knew that it would be fine. Um, for people that are maybe wanting to go in your footsteps and, you know, go, go full time, what advice do you have for them? Any, you gave us so many tips, but any, you know, sort of high level ideas or things you want to bring sure. out now? Definitely. This is a long-term deal. Uh, I would be very, very surprised if somebody got a full-time income within say two years. Uh, no matter what niche you may be thinking about. Uh, this is going in it for the, the long haul. Uh, so build the fundamentals of your site. Make sure you've got decent hosting. It's reasonably fast. Uh, it's set up reasonably well. Uh, get some good, solid content on there and uh, do it consistently. Now, I'm doing three posts a week. If, if that's too much, that's fine. Do two posts a month or once a week or whatever. Just make it consistent so people expect uh, things from you at, at particular times. And then just uh, ramp up accordingly and organically. If you happen to get a, uh, a spike from a, a viral post, hey, great, uh, run with it, but don't expect it. Uh, just take things one step at a time, and after a few years, you'll suddenly discover uh, that the, the revenue curve is starting to increase and then sometimes increase dramatically, and that's the time to really start thinking about spreading your wings. Awesome. Mark, this has been amazing. Thanks for spending the time with us today. Where should people find you? You can find me uh, on the website, sharpologist.com. Uh, I'm probably most active on Twitter uh, for myself uh, as uh, my user handle is Mantic59. 
Uh, although Sharpolitis does maintain a uh, Twitter account as well, it's basically just automated stuff there. But me, I'm on uh, the Mantic 59 account. Facebook, same thing, Mantic 59 or Sharpologist. I'm just now dipping my toes into uh, Instagram and Pinterest, but uh, I haven't done a whole lot with that yet. And then, of course, email. Uh, use the contact form on Sharpologist if you need to get a hold of me, and I'll be happy to help you out as best I can. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link up to everything so people can find it easily. And thanks again, Mark, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here at my computer recording stuff, and uh, you're listening to it, and I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.